0: Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in.
1: Hey, parents, Tim Wright here coming to you from Phoenix, Arizona, along with Dr. Michael Gurion, coming to you from Spokane, Washington. And we've got another episode for you of the Wonder of Parenting podcast, a Brain Science Approach to Parenting. We've got an easy topic today for you, Michael. (laughs) And um, let me just set it up with a a story. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, uh, a principal uh, of one of our local schools came up to me at, at church, and she was quite distraught Uh, because of some new policies that were being put in place about pronoun usage, uh, what titles you can use for teachers. uh, And what made her distraught was from her perspective, she feels like this is really confusing kids rather than helping. And um, there are a lot of ideological discussions happening right now on gender identity, uh, sexual orientation, uh, and uh, what we'd like to try to do, because we've got a question on this, and we answered one of these uh, several months ago, but the question came up again, try to give a brain science approach uh, to what's happening and uh, to give a little balance. Uh, sometimes ideological ideological conversations uh, can be just that, ideology, without a lot of foundation, and they get pretty heated. And um, it's I don't think that we're going to be able to uh, wend our way through this without somebody being upset, right? at something that's said, but we're going to do our best to try to keep it in terms of science and how we as parents can respond. Uh, and so we're going to get at that just in a moment. Um, first want to give a a shout out to our sponsors Uh, Michael, why don't you start with the man cave, uh, today and our good friend, Marion Hill and the work he's doing for dads and men.
2: Yep. Yep. Um, Marion Hill founded uh, Man Cave in, in Phoenix. Um, it's a partnership with the city of Phoenix, with My Brother's Keeper, uh, with, with Greater Phoenix Urban League, and, uh, and, and it's a nurturing fathers program. So if you are a father or if you are supporting a father, you know someone who's a father, you might want to check it out because... Even though they're headquartered in Phoenix, they can, you know, they can branch out uh, because of Zoom, et cetera. So um, it's called Man Cave, which means um, men need to be caring, actively engaged, vested, and encouraged. Uh, and if you go to wonderofparenting.com and you'll you'll see immediately, you'll see the logo, you'll see a PDF that lays out what it does. And then of course, how you can get a hold of them
1: wherever you are. Also want to give a shout out to our longtime sponsor, Dr. Greg Jantz. And uh, the center, of place of hope. And uh, for those of you who are longtime listeners, you've heard us mention them over and over again. And there's going to come a time when you're going to say, oh, who were they again? Because mm-hmm. they've talked about them so many times and I need them right now. We've got an eating disorder challenge in our home or stress. Uh, who is that guy? You can find Dr. Greg Jantz and the Wonder of Par- uh, and the uh, center, of place of hope on wonderofparenting.com. Wonderofparenting.com. And they're there when you need them. And there may come a point where you're going to need either one of Greg's great books, or you're going to need some inpatient care. That's a great place to start. wonderofparenting.com for more information. Uh, now, this question, Michael, came from someone who uh, either heard you speak or was at a seminar that you did. Mm-hmm. And um, yep. so I want to read the question for you, and uh, and then we'll dive in. Again, we, we talked about this several uh, podcasts ago, but... This is a topic that's coming up again and again with a lot of frequency, uh, and parents. I, I think there are a lot of people of goodwill want to do the right thing. They're trying to figure it out, but we also realize we we may be getting ourselves into some challenges here. So let's see if we can try to navigate our way through some of it. Uh, this is the the writer. The province I live in, uh, British Columbia, Canada, just north of you. <laughs> speaking of Michael, mm-hmm. now has mandated the implementation of a soji framework, S-O-G-I, which is sexual orientation and gender identity. Uh, It's a framework, not a curriculum, she says, but policy. Left to the discretion of schools and teachers to implement because as their brochure for parents states, the teachers know what is best for our children. Uh, She's a parent of four, of a four-year-old boy, and she's rather anxious about this. Uh, And uh, we're living uh, what you've spoken about up there, uh, well-intentioned efforts to increase inclusion being implemented in K-12 as government-protected and vague or confusing policy. So that's part of the challenge here. My anxiety over this tells me I need to learn more as a parent and citizen, so I'm reviewing school policy now and paying close attention to an upcoming school board selection. By the way, Michael always says be citizen scientists," which is what she's doing. Yep. My sense is that regardless of who sits on the board, the Soji platform will continue to advance and confuse kids. My neighbors with older kids struggle unsupported with children who now think they are lesbian or can't be a boy, and even worse, be a white boy, because those are bad. Parents who try to affirm their children's pre soji identity, again, without any support, must, but must wing it, appear to their kids and perhaps others Uh, at school as conservative bigots or promoting trans hate. Uh, Hence, the big culture wars we have on this. It is one more thing that makes me want to homeschool, uh, to have some lever of control, but that is not necessarily a viable answer either. Uh, I will continue to try and find, to try find and uh, promote sensible dialogue where I can and continue to learn. So, um, uh, Michael, just uh, can you give us a little background uh, to start what what is this conversation about what sort of started it the whole soji movement what's going on in culture that has brought this to a point where parents are really confused and people are really divided over it yeah well
2: um i i I think all of this has started you know many many decades ago um with the feminist movement with you know with civil rights movements. Um, all these very important movements, you know, that are mm-hmm. that are foundational to our our modern and postmodern development, right? These are incredibly important movements, um, and they as they moved forward, as we a, as we make advancements in, like we've made incredible civil rights advancements, right? In fifty years, um, incredible feminist women's rights advancements um and these continue uh, but as that happens we keep we keep branching out we're using that model and branching out to see okay what is what is the victimized population what is the and who is the oppressor and and how do we uh, who should we attach to both of those labels mm-hmm. now and um uh and we we've seen the feminist movement itself bifurcate so that there are there are gender feminists for whom it's all about the fact that women are unequal and men are oppressors and, and this kind of thing. Um, and then equity feminists like myself who are, let's get equality for everyone, that's the right value. But, but we're not going to put up these straw men and we're not going to, you know, we're going to look for equity where it's needed in the localized areas it's needed um, and not globalize that all men are this way and all women are this way, right? And also black and white, we we have, you know, we see bifurcation there. We have some people, um, uh, black black people who say, wait a minute, life is way better now than it was. And here are the localized areas where we have issues. But we have another movement there, you know, an, another group that says, no, life is worse now for black people. And whites are the oppressors and blacks are oppressed. And, and this... This way of having social conversation that that started fifty to sixty years ago, and that she refers to when she says she was a sociology student, right, mm-hmm. and a left-leaning one. She says um, yeah. that's that's what that is, and she was part of it. I was part of it. Anyone who came through academia, we were part of it, and we've had to look at this. You know, is it is it that there is this mass oppressor? And there are then this this population is oppressed. And if you don't agree with that, then you hate the oppressed people, you know, or or is it that we have these localized areas in which we need to help people? And I would go more with, you know, obviously the latter, Um, because to me, the way that this stuff is happening is really racist and it's really sexist but it's claiming not to be racist and it's claiming (laughs) not to be sexist, right? It's saying if, if you can't be racist about this. So if you say that all all white boys or white men are bad, that's not racist. Well, of course it's racist. Of of course it is. If it's exactly the definition of what is racism, you know, uh, or, or sexism. If you say, if you, so someone will say to me, if you say that, um, you know, whatever, whatever the LGBTQ, this person in that movement says is correct, is not correct. Um, You know, you're a trans hater. Well, to me, that's we're into sexism here. And especially the effect that some of this is having on girls and women. So yes. So I don't see the world right through that lens. I see localized issues. And the localized issue is that there are lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, and gender nonconforming kids and adults who are not understood and mm-hmm. we need to understand them. They are a small part of our population, but they are an incredibly dignified and valuable part of our population. And we need to understand them and give them equal rights. Um, to me, that's what this should be about. But what she's describing is that other vision, uh, yep. which is that, that um, okay, because all of you people have oppressed this group, We're going to say that this group is now the norm. You know that I call this the culture of the exception. And I wrote four essays on this, uh, which are on gurianinstitute.com. The culture of the uh, exception. These are the exceptions. We need to make the whole culture into these exceptions if we're going to get equal rights for these exceptions. And that's what's happening here. And it is incorrect in two ways. One is it creates massive backlash. So you don't get equal rights. Uh, You you know, we can get equal rights for these populations. We could get it really fast if we didn't do the stuff that we're doing and didn't impose this parent-teacher war, which is now Mm -hmm. what it's become. It's become a war between schools and parents. Um, uh, If we didn't impose that, we, we could get all these equal rights quicker. And as you mentioned, I think... We should use the science. So I know you're going to ask me something, then I'll go deeper into what the science is. Um, but right. what I'm setting up is that I have a different view of how to get the goal that I know the people who are doing SOGI want. I know that they want the same goal that I think every child should get, but they're going about it in a way that's going to create backlash and that's going to end up harming not just LGBTQ people, but it's also also going to harm women and men.
1: Right. Yeah, to that end, uh, and we're going to talk a bit about uh, gender dysphoria yep. uh, and transgender or transsexual here in a moment. Um, w- w- one of the things I heard a speaker say, and and this is a speaker, she, she was not in any way anti-trans. She has a lot of trans friends. She believes that there are people who are trans, gender or transsexual, whatever language we want to use. So she was not anti that. Her point was that, in these discussions of of ignoring gender dysphoria, in these discussions of saying everybody is gender fluid, right. we now have a social contagion that's affecting our girls, uh, where our daughters are now increasingly it doesn't happen to boys as much, but our daughters are increasingly confused about who they are as sexual creatures, um, because they're being told you can you can be anything you want to be and now they're they're sort of well I'm fluid so I'm today I'm whatever um and 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 she talked about gender dysphoria which I want to get to with you uh as as a real issue that right now politically uh people don't want to touch uh but you made a comment several uh months ago and I, I want to pick up on that um it was something like 70% of young people who think they're trans once they reach adulthood, realize they're not, it was gender dysphoria it was, it was some sort of they're really gay. high. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Most, yeah. most kids who, cause remember trans is a word now to kids, right? They're not using it scientifically. It, right. They're, they're using trans for anything that has to do with this topic. Right. They're saying <laughs> okay. trans and, and, uh, uh, and what happens is that, that this is reason that the wait and see, that the study, the observe, the, the um, support model is better than the immediately invasive model. You know, the immediately invasive model uh, is give them hormone blockers right away. They're nine, they're seven, they're 11, whatever. They say they're trans. Believe it. It's called gender affirming care. Um, believe it. And what I think gender affirming care should be is obviously different than that. I, I and I, I'm not alone. Obviously, there are many, many people who agree with me on this in the field that we should support and explore with the child to try to figure out just what you said. Okay, is this part of um, you know their identity development that's connected to something that some friends said, or um, and especially we have this issue because of TikTok and and uh, social media, so they're picking up off of social media like they pick up the word trans or gender nonconforming and they say that's me but because they picked it up from social media but of course social media is this me- is this media that is um uh that's quick burst right you get one mm. image of it or you get three videos of it and okay you're an expert now on what it is and so now go tell your parents you're trans and uh, and it we need to really delve into this. And and one of the primary reasons is, as, as you mentioned, these studies that um, the majority, two-thirds or more of kids who present as trans and present with gender dysphoria, gender dysphoria is a form of depression. Remember, dysphoria is depression. Um, uh, they realize by the time they're 17, they realize they're gay and they'll say, oh, n- okay, no, that was kind of experimental identity development on my part. I just didn't understand that I'm gay. Okay. Now, now, right. The hormones have come in. I'm, I'm an adolescent right now. The images that are in my mind of who I'm attracted to, all of that has happened in me now by 17. And now I understand that I'm gay. So I'm the LGB part of this. I'm not actually the, the trans part, the T part or the, um, Q, queer, or gender non-confirming gender, you know, obviously there are a lot of those, but I'm going to do LGBTQ plus to try to include everything. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how
0: hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey.
2: Right. Um, And so at the level of sex, because we want to remember that sex and gender are two different things, okay? They're related, but they're not the same thing. And everyone has sex in them. Everyone has male and female in them. This
1: is so important. So let's say this again. This is really important. Everybody has sex in them. They're male or female, right?
2: Even if a child comes to me and says, Hey, guess what? I saw this TikTok video and I am gender nonconforming, you know. Or 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 to be more serious, if the person comes to me and says, "I'm depressed, I'm suicidal." Um, I I think the cure would be if I could go on hormone blockers and transition because I think the reason I'm depressed is that I'm not really uh, male or female. I'm gender nonconforming or I I was born male but I think I'm female. Okay, so uh, whatever they present to us with, we have to remember that they're still male or female at the level of sex, because that's what's in their chromosomes. That's what's in their body. That's what's in all of their molecules, all the molecules in body and brain. And that's what's in their brain. And that was set up in in utero. I know we've talked about this many times. So if people are curious about this, um, go to greeninstitute.com and I lay out all of the science in those four blocks or just get saving our sons or minds of girls. It's all in there. So Mm -hmm. sex is our baseline. We're all male. We're all female. And then we have a number of bridge brains. So in terms of sex on the brain, sex on the brain is established in utero. The brain is formatted in utero to be male and female. The, um, Uh, Male brain, for instance, does words only on the left or mainly on the left. The female brain does words on both sides. Um, Males have more developed spatial mechanicals on the right. Females have less development on average at the baseline. Males use more gray matter activity. Females use more white matter activity. All of this stuff is preset chromosomally um, in utero. So every child comes out male or female and on a spectrum of what is male and female. That's really crucial on a spectrum. There's not one male, not one female. There's a spectrum of what is male and what is female. But you can scan the brain of a child that says, I'm gender nonconforming. And when you scan that brain, you'll see that's still a male child. That child is still male or, again, female if the child is born female and and says, I'm gender nonconforming. So since the baseline is sex, that should be the first thing that we help kids with. That should be the first thing. And that's what this mom is saying. Right. What mm-hmm. she's saying is uh, this policy in this school district isn't making this distinction between sex and gender. Right. And in fact, it's not even a curriculum. Right. It's a policy, which is really vague. And that's the one of the probably the biggest problems we're having in school districts. And it's one of the reasons we're having teacher shortages and having all these ramifications of these vague things in the school districts, because one, they don't differentiate between sex and gender. Um, They're they're having the conversation about about sex and gender as if it were a conversation on social media, incredibly superficial and not really going deep into what's actually going on in each of these children at all the levels. And and so then you have some teachers, they can't teach that, so they quit they're like no i we got to go deeper into what is actually happening and so they quit then we have teacher shortages and of course it's a as you said it's a culture war um the better way is always to use science and and to have you know two policies here one policy is okay here's the science of sex and here's the science of gender we're going to teach that and um and we're going to realize that gender is a social construct so you can you can be 15 and say I'm gender nonconforming. And I can say, okay, that's your social construct right now. You're experimenting with that social construct. I support you in experimenting with that social construct. I loved learning about the feminine when I was a, a boy coming up, right? Because I'm a feminist, post feminist boy. My, a lot of my college years were, I want to develop my feminine side. It's just, it's another way of saying, I want to be gender nonconforming for a while because I want to figure out this other side of me. And obviously women, you know, they're, they were exploring their masculine side. So this isn't new, but we got to remember it's social construct, just like masculine and feminine is social construct. And so when that child says that, we can say, okay, great. Um, you know, this is a very interesting social construct you're involved in here with gender nonconforming. Let's see where it goes. Um, but meanwhile, let me support you in understanding yourself as male, as female. And if you are trans which is a very small part of the population, uh, if you are actually trans, we'll be able to see that on brain scans. We'll, we can see that your brain is operating as a trans brain in the same way that we can understand that the, a nucleus in your brain is different than heterosexuals. So 5 to 10% of you are gay, uh, lesbian, gay, bisexual, LGB. Five to 10% of mammals are gay. And that's how handled by a particular nucleus in the brain. So, okay, I can help you understand that too. Are you gay? Um, is that possible? And then the child can say, oh, oh, you know, maybe I am. Mm-hmm. And, and okay, so I'm into this social construct, but maybe I'm gay. And so, oh, you know, I don't really need that social construct anymore. Um, I actually am male, but I'm gay. Or I am female, but I'm lesbian. Um so, so the mistake, which she's identifying, is that this kind of vague thing that that is not scientific is being used. And so now the kids are being told, well, not only are they are told about the oppressor victim. So if they're white, they're oppressors. So that's bad, as she's identified, which is just racism. We got to get rid of that. Um, and And the kid is being told, well, there is no such thing as male, female. So you think you're a boy, but, you know, you're not really. Because right. being a boy is the social construct. Being male is the social construct. Being gender nonconforming is what's real. Well, of course, just the opposite is true. They're, you know, your cells are not gender nonconforming. They're male and they're female. So that's if we could we could support all these people and we could have this conversation and we could give equal rights to everyone um, without going down this road. Mm -hmm. Which is a non-scientific road and which ultimately is a helpless, powerless road um, because we're not helping a lot of the kids who need help. And then we're just mystifying and creating cognitive dissonance for the vast majority of children, 90 to 95 percent of children who are not even part of this. Right. right um and we're creating and then their families reject and the families will reject schools and won't support schools and and because the schools are going into this dark road they're in um and then of course the people who say that they're wrong are you know racists and trans haters and then all the projection goes on and and um uh we're gonna have to stop it and we're mm-hmm. gonna have to get back to the difference between sex and gender and when a child presents with gender dysphoria Our job as um, professionals—it's not the teacher's job. The the teacher needs to send that child to counseling, uh, you know, and back to the family, and say, "Okay, y'all need to get some help for this child because this child has gender dysphoria. This child is depressed. That's what I think as a teacher. I'm not a pro, but that's what I think as a teacher." And then the child goes to counseling or to psychiatry, and that person says, "Yes, you have gender dysphoria, and now here's how we're going to handle that." And um, and we're not going to believe everything you tell us, you know, just like if someone came into counseling and said, um, I need counseling. My, you know, my father burns me with cigarettes. Mm -hmm. Uh, The counselor says, okay, we're going to explore that, you know, to try to figure out what's going on. And I just gave obviously a dramatic example, right. But uh, you know, as 31 years as a mental health counselor, I I'm listening to the client to try to get at the roots of their depression. I'm not saying to the client, okay, I I believe this thing about you. And now you're going to spend the rest of your life depressed Mm -hmm. because of this. No, I want to try to understand the roots of the depression and give the child um, tools to understand the various parts of his or her
1: identity. Um. Just for context, um, I know you said like 5 to 10%, something like that, are gay, lesbian. Uh, what percentage of people are actual transgender or transsexual, where it's a male brain in a female body and a transition sexually would be uh, the most appropriate thing? How, what what percent of the population are we talking about?
2: Yeah. Well, it's still, it's an extreme bridge brain. Um, but I know for shorthand, you said a male brain and a female body. It's right. it's not exactly that, uh, but, but that's good shorthand. What it, what it is, is you. it's still like a female brain. If she has a female mm-hmm. body, she still has a female brain. Right. But 30 to 40 of those brain centers are operating like a male brain. And that's why you right. said what you said. So I call that a, an extreme bridge brain. And that will create brain sex dysphoria. So the sex of the brain is different enough from the body to be like metaphorically what you're saying. Yes. uh, And vice versa. Okay. That's point around, around, you know, it's hard to get exact figures, but around 0.3%. That's 0.3 of 1% Mm -hmm. are trans. Now, kids who are right now saying they are trans. You know, those numbers are going to like 20 to 30 percent. That's right. That's right. But we got to remember and everyone has to handle that, you know, like adults. We got to look at that and go, okay. now, wait a minute. Do you know what trans is? You know, and we have to help them figure out these categories. So so if you look at a, if the media is reporting it, you often hear, well, 30 percent of kids are now trans. No, no. Only a very tiny percent are trans and a small percent are lesbian, gay, bisexual. And a small percent are going to ultimately end up being gender nonconforming,
1: right? Now that's not to say that these that this smaller population doesn't matter. That's not the argument either one of us is making. Nope. I think part of what we're saying is we've got point. What was it? Three percent. Point three
2: percent trans. Okay.
1: But but what the the ideolo- ideology is saying is that we should treat everybody as if they were trans gender neutral uh and that gender is fluid and that's why we have so many kids now who and again it seems to be hitting girls more than boys who think they're trans uh and for a lot of other reasons but they're not this just they're just this point uh three percent now i also heard the speaker say that one of the challenges right now is that uh there are a lot of psychologists and therapists who bought into this oh yeah right and that uh, they are gender-affirming psychologists rather than doing more what you're doing to say, hey, let's really find out what's going on. So rather than saying what's going on, they're just saying, okay, if this is the way you believe, then we need to start moving in that direction. And, of course, you start giving kids hormone treatments at 10, 11, 12, 13, that could lead to sterilization and all kinds of uh, you know things as adults. So. Yeah.
0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Uh, this is a podcast for parents, and we've been talking a lot of ideology and brain science You know, to set the stage. How do parents navigate their way through all of this right now? What are two or three things that you would say to parents mm-hmm. who are facing what this parent is facing, where there seem to be policies in place that are anti-science? not good for kids. Uh, and yet at the same time, we want to make sure that we're creating schools where everybody is included and feels affirmed. How do we yep. navigate our way through that?
2: Um, f- first thing is when, if the child says to the parent, you know, this is what I think, I think I'm gender nonconforming, confirming or whatever it is, say, say, affirm to the child, affirm to the child, I hear you. Mm-hmm. Please explain that to me. Okay, send me to the websites where you learned what that was, you know, so I can explore that with you Um, and affirm that the child has said it and that the child is exploring it, right? Mm -hmm. That's okay. You know, then the child feels heard. And rather than, you know, no, you know, so that the child's gonna feel like the parent hates the child now. No, we don't have to do that. We can approach this like anything else. Okay, very interesting. And go back to the source with the child and then study the source with the child be a good citizen scientist and and then and then help the child make the distinctions um, that that i've just made and that are in minds of you know minds of girls and saving our sons if people want more on that and greeninstitute.com you can show depending on the age of the child you can go to those four culture of the exception blogs and have the child read those with you so that the child can understand okay here's what sex is here's what gender is I heard this on TikTok. Okay, now I understand that my sex is this way, but I am still searching for an idea, you know, all that. So that's the first thing parents can do. I I highly, highly recommend it because then parents stay in the conversation with their child rather than the child withdrawing from the parents. Um, And and, and that means they have to be open to the fact that the child's going to say, I might be gay. And then the parent, they have to like, I mean, I know some parents who are listening to this are like, well, I was with you until you said that being gay, (laughs) lesbian, or bisexual has nature to it you know, now I hate you. Uh, well, you, you got to be open to that. Cause if we're using science, we're using science. And then that's right. and you can separate faith from that. If you say to, if you say to the child, uh, you know, cause some faith systems say no matter what, even if there's science, it's still bad to be gay. Right? right. Now, I obviously would not say that. I don't think that is correct, but if that's what you're saying, don't get there yet with your child, explore the science with your child first. Help the child understand that first. And then if you and the child go down this other road, you go down this other road, but first understand. Um, so if you do that, that takes care of step one. And and then step two is now you're more empowered to talk to the school, to talk to others. And you empower your child with some tools to talk to others and uh, about what is really going on. And then you can get your child the help if the child needs help with people who understand what is really going on. And that will mean not going to the the therapist or psychiatrist, whoever it is, who, as you said, have signed on to the concept. And I think this is not the majority, but it's a large minority of of professionals who have signed on to the concept that you should give hormone blockers right away, puberty blockers right away, or hormone therapy and puberty blockers right away. That is wrong, in my opinion. Uh, Most would agree with me. Uh, the Scandinavian countries have done an about face. They used to say that, but now it's policy for them that that's a no because mm-hmm. they've seen the recanting and the backlash and all the terrible things that have happened to so many kids. But but it could be that's necessary if your child is suicidal. So you want to you know, talk to someone who's middle of the road on this, who understands this, and now your child's prepared, you're prepared. Um, in terms of the school's, The the best we can do with the schools is to separate the teachers from the school boards. And so when we go on the attack, uh, you know, if if someone needs to attack and they feel like like this parent, if she thinks, you know what, this is it. I'm taking my kid out of school. I'm going on the attack. I think this stuff's really dangerous. We need to not attack the teachers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We need to go to the school boards and the policymakers and say, your policy is anti-scientific. Here's the research. You, You know, this is wrong. And you're racist and you're sexist. And just push back to them and say, I know a way that we can help every child, including every LGBTQ child. This is the way. The way you're doing it is wrong. But to attack the teachers um, is what creates this parent teacher disconnect right now. And we really need parents and teachers connected, right? Uh, teachers need parents and parents need teachers. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm very pro teacher, very pro parent. I want them to stay connected. So I would beg parents not to attack the teachers. I mean, unless the teacher has said something to these kids, you know, that is like, I don't know, criminal. Or right. you know, really terrible, and there's proof the teacher said that. I I, I wouldn't attack the teachers. I, I would go
1: to the boards. Yeah, um, because I do have family members who are in this age group now with uh, children who are in junior high and they're going through some of this stuff. Yep. you know, suddenly their kids think they're gender fluid and all their friends are gender fluid and they don't even know what that means, right? No, nope, they don't. And I I keep saying, well, what are they learning in their biology classes? Mm, certainly their biology classes, their biology teachers must be saying something, but apparently there are even a couple different camps in biology now where, um, you know, the science is science, right? The science is science. Uh, We just live in a culture where we choose what science backs up our our ideas. But I think that there are probably a lot of teachers out there who are chafing under this as well. And what's so interesting to me is to watch cultural expressions of life, TV shows, movies, where still the humor and the drama comes out of men and women being different. And yet, you know, the academia, social media wants to say we're not. And there's just such a disconnect Then trying to figure out. I mean, I'll look at some shows and I think, well, that's certainly not in line with what people really think, but that's in line with what is really life. So we're so conflicted on these things right now that if we could get back to the science uh, and say we are pro-science and we are pro-inclusion of all people uh, and let's learn to live together with our differences and value each other in our differences, you're right. We'd get there a lot more quickly than if we make enemies out of people who aren't in that small group of people. Uh, And uh, it's, it's such an interesting world for parents to have to navigate these days. Um, Oh, yeah,
2: I've, oh, go sorry. Sorry. I was gonna
1: say, you and I didn't have to navigate that kind of stuff as parents.
2: Yeah, no, I I agree with you because we didn't have social media that that shoots the language out. Social media, in a lot of ways, takes whatever is certain academics are doing, you know, and then they get it out there and, and social media and legacy media, they love, they sort of love that, you know, and so they refer back to that and then it shoots it out and it, so these things just hit. And they, they take over and we don't, you know, we don't think about it. And, and in our right. era, we had, you and I being the same age, uh, growing up in the, you know, born in the fifties, growing up in the sixties and seventies, we had the, we had all these movements. We had the androgyny movement, you know, but yep. we didn't have, uh, we didn't have this mass of media that took the conversation so away from science and into ideology, um, uh, and, and into politics, you know, and, mm-hmm. and that, so we could get, we could go, oh, that's an interesting movement. Let me think about that. And okay, here's this. here's what's really going on. Let me add that to what's really going on with the way that this is being done is, um, I'm not going to add this ideology to what, to reality. I am going to just say that reality doesn't exist. And yep. all I'm going to do is operate out of, This ideology, which I guess is, you know, would now be called the LGBTQ plus or the gender nonconforming ideology. Um, uh, And and when we do that, then, of course, the people who are who are um, presenting that ideology, of course, some of them, the most radical ones are going to say, well, guess what? This ideology won't work unless we erase the right. past you know so right. we're going to have to erase reality completely and 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 i'm i know that this would not have been able to take hold when there wasn't social media and all this mass media uh it couldn't take hold communication right. was too slow uh people had too much time to go oh no wait a minute you're not talking about reality though you know yeah, right. and but the good thing that would have happened in the past i think is that we would have we would have said okay What's really important about what's being said here is that there are some people who don't have equal rights and this is a democracy. And so now we've got to use science to get equal rights. And so I'll end with this for anyone who has any doubt that you and I are correct (laughs) laughing Um, is to look at what happened with uh, the, with homosexuality, which was homosexuality then is now gay, lesbian, bisexual. Um, The Supreme court kept coming back and saying, no, you know no to gay marriage no to equal rights for gay people no and the laws were saying no um, because being gay was was presented as a choice it was presented right. as a choice by certain people who were gay um, but i know they knew that wasn't correct but it was mainly being presented as a choice by everyone else yep it was in it was in 1994 that the harvard medical letter is kind of the pinnacle of saying guess what That is incorrect. Being gay is not a choice. It's not a part of your identity, a part of your cultural identity. It's a part of your genome. And so it runs in families, number one. Number two, we've identified the nucleus in the brain. We can see it. So we know a gay sexually dimorphic nucleus, and it's different than a heterosexual. So now we've got this science showing you that 5 to 10% of people are gay, And it's on the genome. So now you have to give equal rights to these people because they are not making an amoral or abnormal, uh, in abnormal psychology. In other words, they're not sick and they're not making an amoral choice if you're just dealing from a religious moral. They are real people and they need equal rights. And it was after that, that the argument started moving toward, oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then in 2015, of course, You know, the Supreme Court decision came down and then it was again confirmed or ratified a couple of years ago so that now it's the law of the land. You cannot discriminate against a gay, lesbian, bisexual person. And that's what I believe will happen if we use science here. We will get the right rights for everybody Mm -hmm. the way we did for gay and lesbian people.
1: Yeah, well said. Michael, there's so much more we could talk about on this topic, uh, and uh, I think it's going to be one we come back to again and again, uh, because the concern for us as podcasters is uh, certainly that all are included, all are treated equally. But what is best for our children, and as parents, what is best for our children? Um, and uh, it's and we we both believe that science has some some answers for us, some wisdom for us. Uh and uh, so we'll keep at it. Uh tell people again where they can get those four articles.
2: Okay, so they're uh called Culture of the Exception is the title, and then there's part one, two, three, and four, and they're on Gurian Institute.com. So what you do is you go to the news page of gurianinstitute.com. It's one of the first links. So it's very obvious. You click news and it's going to then take you to an archive page and just keep going through the archive, folks. And you're going to see culture of the exception one, two, three, four. And those are the articles
1: where I dealt with all of this. Excellent. Well, thank you, Michael. And thank you, everyone, for hanging in there with us. We will be back with you. you next week. Another episode of the Wonder of Parenting podcast. Have a
0: great week. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.